Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Big Ticket Variety and iHeart's film podcast. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. This week, we've got Matt Bomer talking about his new indie, Poppy Chulo, the upcoming Boys in the Band, and a story he's never told about Chuck Norris. Stay with us. Do you ever wish you could get more from your podcast? Well, you can with BuzzFeed Daily, hosted by me, Casey Rackham. And me, Zach Safford. On our show, we've got more good news and more pop culture. More memes and more celebrity tea. More of everything that's blowing up your timeline and trending on the internet. Every weekday evening, we're giving you more of what you need to enjoy your day. Because what's life if it isn't to be enjoyed? Listen to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Matt Bomer. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. How's your summer going? Is it summer yet? It's technically, yes, it I is. guess so, as of last weekend. So I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Oh my God. I had a great good. Memorial Day weekend, <laughs> but uh, that's it so far. Okay, so tell me about Papi Chulo. I started a little while ago, right before I premiered in Toronto. Yes. Toronto? Yes. That's right. So um, tell me how the story It's such a sweet little indie movie. Yeah, I. Uh, well, it's about uh, a, a local TV weatherman who is has a nervous breakdown on <laughs> camera because all of the, some certain events that you'll find out about later have caught up to him. And he's just in this nosedive spiral um, headed towards, you know, rock bottom. <laughs> and he starts this unlikely friendship with uh, a Mexican migrant worker and they don't really speak each other's languages very well, but they form this bond and, uh, you know, hijinks ensue and, and, and hopefully you get some, some good feels along the way. Well, I love how, um, it's being described as a buddy movie, which is yeah. interesting because I think buddy movie, I think like a cop thing, guys running around, but it is a buddy movie. <laughs> it is a buddy movie. And I, and I think it's also a comedy about loneliness, which mm. is something that I, I hadn't seen a lot of, you know, I'd seen, well, I guess you could say Lost in Translation mm -hmm. might be a, a similar, but uh, I, I hadn't seen a comedy that also captures a loneliness that is not only pervasive in our society today, but also very specific to Los Angeles. You think Los Angeles is a lonely town? Oh my gosh, so much lonelier than <laughs> New York for me. Why do you say that? You know, in New York, I feel like you're, 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 constantly forced out into public situations where you're dealing with all walks of life people all different races creeds cultures whatever they're bringing to the table you're on the subway with them you're bumping into them on the street and i feel like in la people can just pass right through you you know you can you can <laughs> and get, give you the thing while they're cutting you yeah, off on the freeway <laughs> yeah or blowing through a four-way stop whatever it may be but yeah it's just you can get in your car and go where you want to be and be with the people you want to be with and and not really have to expose yourself to anything outside your comfort right. zone so i think it can create a real sense of isolation and i think that's something that my character sean is experiencing even mm. with the dating apps i'm not saying that th those are always an unhappy path for anyone but he's using them in a very lonely manner right See, I find New York, I mean, I'm from New York, and New York can be really lonely. For as many people as there are, yeah. it can be really lonely, too. Yeah. 
Because yeah. you're sort of, these are all strangers. You don't know yeah. any of these people. Yeah, it's a city and of you, strangers. And, and Isn't that what Stephen Sondheim said? Yeah. And, <laughs> wow. That's early in the interview, bringing up Sondheim. <laughs> Thank but you. it's like, for yeah, because in New York, it's all these people. And then you realize, like, I don't know any of these people, so I'm alone. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't feel that. There's yeah. such a um, uh, pervasive energy to the place right. that is just so that when I do get lonely or lonelier moments or solid, solitude there, it does feel earned. You just take a walk and go to CVS or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or I just sit and appreciate the fact that there's actually some stillness as opposed to the <laughs> mania of what's going on outside the door. So Papi Chulo. I'm going to assume you didn't shadow a weatherman for this. I don't feel like did no, you have to um, get what to I know did a study there are available um online. I don't want to say for your viewing pleasure because it, I'm not about Schadenfreude. I'm not <laughs> about laughing at the expense of others, but uh there are some some documented breakdowns on camera that people have. Um wow. there's one, he's very open about this, so I'm not you know, I feel okay sharing it. Dan Harris yeah, specifically had a yeah. nervous breakdown on camera. And so I, I watched a lot of that. Meteorology is pretty, you know, I definitely studied people's mannerisms mm -hmm. and, and gestures and demeanor. So, so do you have like um, an arm movement you do for like, the wind's coming in? <laughs> well, you got to know your map. You got to know what's going the on. that's not really there. No, either. it's just it's a green, green screen. screen. Yeah. I never understood how they did yeah. that. Yeah. And that was the very <laughs> first thing we filmed was a nervous breakdown in the middle of the, the weather forecast, thing? which I mean, talk about like teeing it up <laughs> right away. Um, so yeah, that's the very first thing I filmed. And it, I mean, I would think it's hard to do something like that because you could overact it. Where it's, it looks yes, really thick. you it's sort really like got to try drunk. to thread that needle, you yeah. know, walk the razor's edge and, and you know, I, I, ideally, I think it's more of a curb your enthusiasm, Larry David thing right. where you're actually hopefully watching something real happen and you're not really sure if you should laugh but the circumstance is inherently funny so right. yeah you can laugh a little and then sometimes it's interesting to watch with an audience because some some audiences are like oh no we're just gonna laugh at this and some are like i'm not sure i, thought, I don't know i want to laugh but it's painful and the movie's also about heartbreak yeah yeah um there's a great sense of of pathos about the character that if that frankly was kind of where John Butler, who's an amazing director who I, I love and adore, uh, that's where we wanted to start because mm -hmm. everything has to come from that sense of pain that Sean's experiencing that you don't really find out about until later in the movie. I have to say, um, just because I know you personally, I thought it was weird watching you be on apps. <laughs> <laughs> you know what was so funny? We, um, we had, it used to be that he was on several different apps <laughs> and the app companies are so particular about, well, who's doing, oh wait, you can't have Scruff if you have Grindr. You can't have Grindr if you have the bear one or whatever. Uh, so it was, uh, it was so funny, the politics of it all. Um, you but, think they just want the press, like it's the apps, why not? I mean, who knows? I don't know, I couldn't figure it out, but um, anyway, we settled on the bear one and that's, that's what we went with. <laughs> they were okay with it. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so what's the message of the movie? If well, what I loved about the movie um, was that it, it's about, 
in a time where people are are building up walls and separating off and coordinating themselves off from each other and different cultures and different ideologies more than ever this was about a friendship that forms uh in, in the most unlikely of ways but it, that it's our shared humanity that is really the only thing that can really save you from loneliness and sometimes mm. yourself so when was the movie developed and shot? Was it before Trump got elected or after Trump got elected? Because it's a perfect movie for now. Yeah, I, I guess it became increasingly politically relevant as it went along. Right. Um, I think it was, I guess it's been about two years almost since I first met with John. Wow. So I think Trump was in office, but I, I know that he definitely started writing it before that. Right. Would you ever want to screen it at the White House? <laughs> I would love to, actually. Really? I would show up for that. Sure. Okay. Then I you're going to go there. What would you yeah. say? What would you say? I, w I would hopefully not have to say anything. I would hope the movie would speak for itself. Right. You know? um, but I'd be happy to try to answer any questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also your character is gay. Yeah. It's not the only thing, obviously, about him. Yeah. But you play a lot of gay characters. Yeah, these days. Yeah. For sure. Did yeah. you was there ever a time in your career before you were out publicly where in your head you'd be like, mm, I sh probably shouldn't play gay? No. Um was, in fact, frankly, it was hard for me to even get seen for gay roles because wow. typically they were going to, you know, a famous uh heterosexual actor, right. you know. So uh it to me, what was first and foremost was the role. Right. Uh, and I think we're in this great uh, boon time now where people are actually writing gay characters with three dimensions. Mm -hmm. They're not just the sassy stylist or or the friend with a lot of attitude <laughs> or the guy who's going to, you know, like help the straight guy pull it together. It's, it's really and not that there's anything wrong with right. those things, but they did become tropes over the yep. years. And oftentimes were the only dimension that the character had to bring to the table. So I did always pass on those opportunities. But mm -hmm. we're in this great time now. I feel like between getting play Sean on Poppy Chulo and Larry Trainer on Doom Patrol, yep. which I know is on this new platform, but I hope people get to see yep. it because to me it's it's one of the most well-drawn gay characters out there right mm -hmm. now. Not because of my performance, but because of the way it's the written character, and yeah. Jeremy Carver's writing and the entire writer's room and how inclusive the writer's room is. And um, so it's a great time to be able to play really fleshed out roles that are really interesting and have depth mm -hmm. um, regardless of their sexuality. And boys in the band. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go there. Yeah. So you're going to start shooting soon? Tell me, where where are we at? Did you know when you were doing the play that no. they were developing it for a movie? Not at all. Wow. Um, I think there may have been loose mention of it at some point, but it was, it was just not. It was my first Broadway play, so I was so focused on just right. having that experience with it. And, and to me, that was such an incredible high in and of itself because we... I didn't know what to expect with all those guys. I didn't know what the experience was going to be. And everybody just came to work and collaborate and have fun and it really get it done. Mm -hmm. And um, so, it, and then I didn't know if people were going to come see it. And then after it sold out and all, all that happened, I was just, it was just kind of a perfect experience. Right. So I was so ready to, <laughs> and then they were like, we're going to make the movie. Yeah. So now it's going to be interesting because I've never, um, 
told the same story with the same director in a different medium and the same cast and the same cast (laughs) yeah exactly i know that was the deal it was like everybody or nobody and and, and for all of our perspectives um so that's going to be really interesting uh, why why do you want why should a larger audience see this because obviously broadway it's a particular audience it's not as wide as something like netflix i mean you're doing this for netflix yeah, I think it's, you know, I think it's historically, uh, um, you know, it was massive when it came out. Mm-hmm. It was groundbreaking. I remember, so I remember being, I must have been in high school and I had the black and white television at the foot of my bed. It probably had a wire hanger and like, yeah. you know, aluminum foil. And I remember it like late at night it was on. Really? I have this, I have this memory of it and not necessarily know what it was yeah but watching it wow i was completely fascinated by it well that's amazing that yeah. it was on television uh, you know like it must have been like a midnight yeah you know, they would never show it during prime time but that's the equivalent of netflix right. now <laughs> right. right i mean right. uh yeah i mean it came out before stonewall people weren't telling these kinds of stories about mm-hmm. gay men and their lives and their struggles and and their frustrations and um, you know, I think it gives context to our history. I think it gives perspective to our history. I think the fact that in this day and age, we can do it with a cast of all openly gay actors unapologetically um, is phenomenal. And it's, it's 51 years old now to see how far we've come in that time and, and to also document this time. So we have on cellular, not that William Friedkins isn't amazing and mm-hmm. perfect as it is. Um, but we have this new perspective with you're this seeing, cast. You're, yeah, as you're well. seeing you're able to see it differently. You're seeing the characters differently with this. You know, yeah. fifty years. Yeah, and as a community, we just have such a fascinating history with so many different and a lot amazing of that history is not, chapters. Has not been remembered, has not hasn't been, told. been remembered, and there are so many young people. I mean, even after I did the Normal Heart, I was shocked by the amount of young people who would come up to me and say, "Did that?" Was it really like that? Did that really happen? When you try to explain to young people what the epidemic was like. Yeah. You know, and I don't fault them. They didn't experience it. Yeah. But, you know, I I usually, if it's a guy in their 20s, I'm like, just imagine right now, go through your phone and yeah. every phone number you cross out because they're dead. Yeah. Like, that's not an exaggeration. Yeah. And that sort of then hits them. Like, yeah. All your friends are dead. Yeah, and it is important to move forward in the future proudly and, yeah. and, you know, carrying yourself and owning your space in the world. But it's also, I think, important to have one foot planted in the past so we know, you know, how we got to right. where we are. And Do you go to do you go to pride parades? I know you were in the Magic Mike. Yeah. yeah. I know you were in the Magic Mike flow. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a big thing. Um, we actually last summer we were in new york i was doing the play and our whole family we actually took our whole family mm-hmm. to the parade and it got a little weird at, at one point <laughs> when a guy in like a leather thong was like on, high on something <laughs> and like really wanting to go deep with me in front of our children which i was like oh, i can't do this right now our, our kids were like um what is going you're on like, and like, who is that guy you're like he's a fireman <laughs> yeah I, I don't know if firemen wear black leather thongs but they, who knows um but it was but it was it was really eye-opening for them and they got to you know there were women in the parade right. who got their top you know it was i had a lot of explaining to do basically right. at the end of the day but yeah i do i do try if i'm in town and there's something interesting going on. so you're on. growing up in texas yeah 
did you ever think you'd be going to a New York Pride Parade with your husband and your three sons? Hell no. <laughs> oh, hell no. No, I don't think any of that ever really dawned on me. I, it was never in the realm of possibility. Right. I don't think I really even knew that having kids as a gay man was a viable option until I got to New York at 22. Wow. Um, yeah, um, no, none of that ever seemed like a possibility to me. Because I remember it was right after you did your big public coming out when you did your speech in uh, the desert. Yeah. And you're being honored by the AIDS Foundation. Yeah, the there. Desert AIDS Foundation. And I remember you telling me that a military officer came up to you. Yeah. And it brought you to tears. Are those experiences still happening? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, they're, 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 they can be few and far between or it's somebody just reaching out via message on social media right. or whatever it may be. Um, but they're appreciated, uh, and they mean something no matter how often they happen, you know? I mean, if it were just one person that had ever said that to me, I think it would have been worth it, you know? And I always say it to people like you, you're saving lives. I, truly I mean, I that. don't know about that. I don't, I don't think about that. I don't take on that mantle in a good mm -hmm. or bad way. I just, you know, try to live my life as, as truthfully as I can and, mm -hmm. and focus on being an artist too, right. you know, and, and, you know, I had a friend who said to me early on, he was like, and, and this was years ago, but he was like, you know, whether you like it or not, you're political. You, when someone makes the choice to hire you, it's a political decision. Mm. And I was like, oh, because there was an element of truth to it. But at the same time, it wasn't anything I ever thought of when I became an actor. Right. I just thought I was going to work in the theater and do my thing. You know? <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, more Matt Bomer. Lancaster, South Carolina is in the middle of not much. But growing up nearby, I knew it as the hometown of a black man named Jim Duncan, who became a Super Bowl hero. Duncan, up to the 15th, the 20th. Now my new podcast, Return Man, I'll discover that his death still makes no sense at all. The story was that my brother went into the police station, took a gun off a police officer, and shot himself in the head. Most people don't believe that. For the past three years at the Rock Hill Herald, I've looked back at a story that's timelier than ever. Breaking news. Don't shoot. Have you got some time to talk? It involves race, the mental state of the person, and a town that was scared to death to say anything. Listen to Return Man on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you took away the date and time, could you imagine that happening today? Yes, you can. And we're back with Matt Bomer. And speaking of politics, you're co-hosting a fundraiser for Mayor Pete. Yeah. How'd that Very come about? Very excited it? about Does this that. mean like you're full-on endorsed Mayor Pete or is it more <laughs> like, let's see what happens. Getting to know you. <laughs> um, I'm so thoroughly impressed with him on every level. And he is obviously so much more than capable of the mantle of the office of president. Mm -hmm. um, I, but yeah, it is kind of a getting to know you and, and, and throwing in our hat to support him uh, as best we can. I think it's amazing that we have him as a candidate and it is legendary and historic. And uh, it just is kind of the icing on the cake that he's also, I think at this point, 
the most qualified candidate to to lead us. Um, it's so real. It's, it's I mean, real. It's surreal in a good way. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, not giving a, a specific endorsement only to one right. person at this point. It's so early it's on. So but early. this all it was really Simon's idea. Simon reached out to his campaign. My husband reached mm-hmm. out to his campaign, and and we we said, hey, we'd love to do this for you. And then thankfully, Ryan Murphy got on board, and and we got some other people involved, and it turned into something very real. And um, it's just been so nice that in the interim, he's also just uh, shown himself to be so phenomenal mm. um, as, a, as a person and as a candidate. So what's your message to gay kids, LGBTQ kids who might be struggling? Oh, my message is, I mean, really, this sounds so self-helpy and so cheesy, but it, oh, yeah. it's really to find a way to focus on self-love Mm. And it's so hard sometimes between the voices on social media and the voices on in your immediate circumstances. But even if it's just you on your own, find a way to to nurture that in mm. yourself, because if you don't and we're not taught ways to do it, no. particularly as members of our community, um, it really can uh, be your undoing. Mm. Um, I, I don't always tell people come out because there are circumstances i know that certainly if i had come out in high school i wouldn't be here now I, my life would have taken some pretty harsh turns so mm. i think you have to do it when the time is right and it's a safe space for you but find your friends who love and support you for who you are and who you feel safe with and and take care of yourself and mm. and and hold tight to your vision of what you want to be and where you want to be because if I can grow up in Spring, Texas and have a dream that I might, you know, be on a stage someday <laughs> and then be here. I mean, I never would have believed that. So no matter what your circumstances are, don't lose out. Don't lose out on that hope. Stay true to that. Do you pinch yourself? Yeah, I have to remind myself, you know, you can get into those those um, sort of the grind where you're just kind of going job <laughs> if you're lucky, you know, right. you're going job to job and to press junk at the job and, and, and you can sort of really lose perspective and a sense of gratitude for all that you've been given. And I, I try to really remind myself every morning, oh my gosh, I get to do this. This is so fun. It's, it's also when you have a family and you're having to leave them for extended periods mm-hmm. of time and you're like, oh, I don't want to be away from the kids when they're at this great age and you know i have to remind them as well that i get to do this dream i had when i was right. a kid and and that travel inspired them. the world to do it and i right. love doing it and we'll skype every day or facetime <laughs> every day and i'll come home on weekends mm. and so uh yeah i i uh, i do pinch myself when i more important i try to stay uh in a place of gratitude and I try to be one of those people who, if people want to say hi on the street or take a selfie or interact, I try to always, unless I'm with the kids right. and crossing a crosswalk <laughs> or, you know, they are scaring me, I will always try to do that because I do think, I remember when I had those moments with people uh, and who they you have were those nice who, did, who did you say? Okay, okay so I never told the story. Uh, I, uh, when I was a kid, I, uh, was there was an opportunity to be an extra in the film Sidekicks that Chuck Norris and Jonathan Brandis were filming in Houston, Texas. That's right, I did. (laughs) And my best friend, we were doing, you know, forensics at the time. I think it was in seventh grade. 
And they were like, do you want to go down and be an extra on a big movie? <laughs> so we did. I think there's a little flash of screen time with us. But more importantly, we were sitting around for like 12 hours. So we started wandering around the building and we're running around with no intention of, of malice. We're just, right. you know, playing tag or something. Right. And we happened to run into in the back stairwell of this building, Chuck Norris and the director having like a one on one conversation before they were going to go shoot the scene. And Chuck Norris was so cool. <laughs> and he shook my hand and, and said hi and introduced himself and made some polite small talk. And then we were just, you know, I mean, have you we seen, had have died you and gone since? to heaven. I've never seen Chuck since. Shockingly, our paths have not crossed. Um, but uh, thanks, Chuck. If you ever hear this, I appreciate your your, your gracious. Did you get your set of cards? Um, no, it would be it would be another decade before I had that card. So Chuck Norris. Yeah, thanks, Chuck. <laughs> and then there were other people along the way, but Chuck. Was All I had to do was stand and cheer at a karate tournament for 12 hours as a background artist. You know I'm going to go look up Please, I, if, please send me the still because if you do, I'm going to frame it and put it on my wall. Um, since this is a film podcast, I always ask, um, when's the last time you cried at the movies? Oh, when's the last time I cried at the movies? Oh, oh, it had to be um, Roma. Why is that? Um, living in LA, I've seen the experience of people who have come to this country and given their whole lives to the nurturing of other people's families and the sacrifices they've had to make for that and, and uh, the amount of unconditional love that's involved in that and, and seeing that woman's struggle and journey and that moment um, when they're all on the beach together. Oh my God, I'll cry right now. Talking about it. It's just so beautiful. <laughs> And what's the one movie you could watch over and over again? And it's never going to get boring. Oh, well, some of my some of my top three would have to be Sunset Boulevard, uh, which I know is probably why, pretty stereotypical. Why Sunset? Boulevard? I just think well, it's a perfect movie. I think it's a perfect movie. <laughs> so good. Uh, I love the Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. Why uh, is that? I just think it's just the character, the voice, the characters. I'm. I just was obsessed and still am obsessed with Morgan Freeman as a kid. Uh, but, and, but you were more obsessed with Chuck Norris. <laughs> he, he actually surpassed Chuck, <laughs> despite Chuck's generosity. Um, and just this, the way the story unfolds and, and, and the humanity of all these characters mm-hmm. uh, in these horrific circumstances. Uh, and then comedy-wise... I love like some really just irreverent comedies from time to time, like old school and Mm -hmm. um, movies like that. They're just so silly that you have to laugh. My husband's one of my husband's favorite movies is White Chicks. I've never seen that. Oh, you have to see. I've never seen that. I mean, it would never get made today because it's just so wrong in so many ways. But I, I can't remember saying this on the podcast. He's going to kill me. But like, I'll come home and he's on the couch and he's watching it and he's mouthing the, oh, but not just like wow. catchphrases. Yeah. Like the complete, when I yeah. introduced him to Busy Phillips, I've introduced him to like, name the movie star I've introduced him to. Busy Phillips. That was the wow, biggest thing amazing. Yeah. Wow, I've never seen that one. <laughs> I also love all the old Jim Carrey movies. I love watching those with the kids. Yeah, 
uh, the ones that are appropriate, um, <laughs> like the mask. It just they, they, I remember Detective. going to see those at the theater, and it was just such a fresh new voice and face. We were all trying to be Jim Carrey in our in our spare time. Totally. Well, Matt Bomer, thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, and good luck with Papi Chulo. Thank you. Like I said, it's such a sweet. It is a buddy film. Yeah. Um, and it's a little indie, and we got to support those indies. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're going to go off to New York. Please and shoot, do. Oh, no, you're going to shoot Boys in the Band not in New York, somewhere. Well, we'll do exteriors <laughs> right. in New York, but interiors. So when's in the next New Broadway York. production you're doing? Oh, tomorrow, do? please. Gosh, I, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'd have to really have plenty of time to get back <laughs> in shape. Those people are really Olympic athletes, yeah. you know. It's I'm, going in their to, I'm going to New York literally on Sunday, and I'm seeing a show. Every night and every matinee to leading up to oh, the wow. Tony because I got to cover the Tonys. Of well, you may see me at one. I have I have some Tony watching to do next yeah. week as well. What are you saying? Uh, well, I definitely want to see Hillary and Clinton mm -hmm. uh, and support Joe and and see yep. that. Uh, I've, I just saw Hades Town, which I, I enjoyed. I have that. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing the prom. Oh, I want to see the prom. Yes, I need to yeah. see the prom. My first boyfriend from college is one of the producers. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Congratulations. Thanks. What a success. I have nothing to do with that. You know, we were together when Pro we were proxy. 19. Proxy means a lot in this town, okay? Proxy means a lot in this town. Matt Bomer, you're the best. You are. Thank you. Thanks for so having me. You. you too. Bye. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening to The Big Ticket. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Coming up next week, Ron Howard, talking about his new documentary about Luciano Pavarotti. Plus, why did Shia LaBeouf make him cry? You don't want to miss it.